Are you one of those people that forgot everything since high school? We're about letters and learning. And, and learning. E educating adults. And education. Yep. Yep. Do you want to learn things about stuff? You saw Breaking Bad? Sudafed is used to make meth. Or would you like to learn the definitions of new words? I like tomato soup. Or are you just lonely? I consulted a wizard on this one. Great, we're the pod for you. Hey, I'm Carly. And I'm Kelsey. And we're two best friends that talk about everything from A to Z. In that order. Listen to Brought to You by the Letter every Thursday to learn more stuff. And things. Okay, bye. Love you, bye. Bye. Coming up on episode 41 of Anchor Persons. Dago Deacon Dams DMing Demons. Poop goes the weasel. A fruit for no reason. More like not stamps, am I right? And what do indigo children have to do with the boys? Stay tuned to learn. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Anchor Persons. From the south and east of the northwest, the land of trees and rivers, currently on fire, it's Anchor Persons with Gene and Greg Person. Featuring sports, emotional weather, food crime, the podcast shopping network, and more. Anchors weigh you down. Cut loose with your news. Here's Gene and Greg. Good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, and welcome to Anchor Persons. I'm Gene Person. And I'm Greg Person. No relation. Anchor Persons is a news show for people who don't like news shows by people who don't like news shows. And tonight... By God, it better be a good episode. Why is that, Gene? Because we worked really hard on this one. No, that 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 is actually true. Like I thought you were setting up a bit, but we No, I absolutely am not. <laughs> we worked extremely hard. We hope you all like it. Don't tell us if you don't. We are weak men and we cannot take that kind of rejection. Alright, let's get right into tonight's story beats, because we got a lot of show. Absolutely. Tina Forte, the Republican challenger of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, was outed this week as both a QAnon supporter and a participant in events that led to the January 6th Capitol riot. Snopes.com launched this investigation and broke the story. Uh, Forte did respond to Snopes when asked for comment and denied that she entered the Capitol building and that she is in any way connected to QAnon. When asked for further comment... Forte began to make barnyard noises intermingled with six-character alphanumeric sequences and repeatedly assured the reporter that they know exactly what I'm talking about. Is that for real, though? No. No. Okay. I mean, okay. That's, I'm asking that question OOC because... But, you know, I, it's, it's the same old story. Always a bridesmaid, never a congresswoman. Quite possibly a domestic terrorist certainly an idiot you know tina forte sounds like she could be the amalgam of tina fey and will forte which sounds like it would be super funny and it is yeah. <laughs> a carrot from new zealand came out of the ground looking so much like a complete set of wedding tackle that it's become an international sensation it's been flown to tennessee for an emergency transplant which will make sense in a minute <laughs> disturbing news has emerged out of ohio where a significant portion of deer tested in the wild have turned out positive for the coronavirus. The deer showed no signs of the disease, but may be carriers of the pathogen. The state is urging hunters to be cautious, especially while field dressing. But I have bigger picture concerns. I could care less if a bunch of hunters get COVID, but if deer can get it, 
That means reindeer can get it. We've got to get the word out. Mask up or risk killing Santa Claus. You don't want to hurt Santa Claus, do you, boys and girls? Ho, 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 vid. 19. (laughs) An exploding population and severe staffing shortages at Rikers Island Jail in New York have forced inmates to run the place themselves. Which is a metaphor for something, but goddamned if I know what. Facebook has issued an apology after its AI software mistakenly asked users watching a video featuring several black men if they wanted to see more, and I'm quoting here, videos about primates. This isn't the first time an era like this has happened. Something very similar happened at Google in 2015. Some critics argue that it's indicative of the pervasive and systemic racism in the United States, so pervasive, in fact, that it shows up in our software. Facebook could, however, argue that nobody can trust anything they read on Facebook to begin with, a strategy that's come to be known as the Tucker Carlson defense, named, of course, after another famous racist whose purported intelligence is artificial. German carmaker Volkswagen also makes sausages, apparently. They're going to be phasing out the sausages because their production is too carbon intensive. Once again, car maker Volkswagen is, you know what? Fuck it. I give up. You win. Who cares? <laughs> Fuck you. Car maker. Volkswagen. No, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I just, I, I, I can't. I can't anymore. I'm done. Enough about this news. Let's move on to main news. Now, Indigo Children, folks, if you haven't heard of it, is one of my favorite concepts in horseshit. Before the Mandela effect, where not knowing a common fact means that you're privy to secret knowledge, especially if a bunch of other morons are wrong in the same way, there were Indigo Children, where narcissistic New Age parents decided that their children's learning difficulties and behavioral problems were signs of super intelligence and psychic powers. You don't hear much about them anymore, presumably because a lot of those kids grew up and didn't usher in the age of Aquarius. Looking at YouTube, it's apparently still a thing in some quarters, but so is drinking your own piss medicinally. Yeah, I've seen some some screen caps of, of people touting, like, spraying their hair with piss. I, I, I okay. <laughs> what? I mean, I mean, it, it, it all goes back to the same recurring theme that is every episode, which is like, people will stay dumb. Stay dumb forever. It's like stay golden, except it's golden showers. But what does that have to do with the boys? Well, the Amazon original series, The Boys. Now, I know this was based on a series of comics, but unfortunately, I haven't read them. What I do know is I decided to give The Boys a try based on the fact that I liked Carl Urban. My initial watch of the pilot proved harder than I expected it to. I didn't quite understand this story being told, only that there was some gratuitous violence that was kind of horrifying and some themes that were a little upsetting. But people I knew and respected praised the show, and so I'm glad I stuck with it because the social commentary is actually kind of incredible. The Boys tells the story of a group of people without superpowers who try to bring down an evil corporation that is superhero central. Superheroes are unchecked by the government and are at once both power mad and ignorant of the plight of the regular man. In No Hero is this more the case than with Homelander, the Superman of the boys, whose godlike power is used to commit serious atrocities but is always spun as for the greater good or covered up by his employers. 
The old saying goes, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and it certainly does in the story of the boys. I see the superheroes of the boys as an analog of the police. They may mean well, but meaning well doesn't mean shit when innocent people are dying because of your actions. Meanwhile, there's the boys, this group of wounded antiheroes who may be the only people who actually see what's going on, or at least the only people who seem to care. They tackle it through a kind of homebrew domestic terrorism, and whether or not you agree with the tactics, it makes perfect sense in the context of the story and uh, against the powerful foes that they face. Make no mistake, sometimes The Boys is very hard to watch, but it's also brilliant, incredibly funny, and sometimes very moving. Now, before we get into uh, before we get into these connections, Gene, I do want to say, although we are critical of the police and... Uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me hasn't aged great. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of great music, especially in their early sort of DIY punk days. Still, this kind of commentary has to sting. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, the obvious connection is superpowers. Uh, the Indigo Children were purported to have superpowers. Uh, their main superpowers uh, tended to be uh, selfishness. ADHD mm-hmm. and an uh, overweening sense of superiority, which is none not of- actually that far <laughs> off from the boys. <laughs> yeah, honestly, none of that really sounds like a superpower, but th- I mean, you could be describing personality traits of some of the uh, superheroes on the boys. Well, and, and the Indigo children, like the superheroes, were created by insane narcissists who mm-hmm. uh, wanted to be the progenitors of a race of supermen. And when you have narcissists raising children, unfortunately, those children are going to turn out to be self-important at the very best. And, you know, psychopathic at the worst. While believing that they have, you know, telepathy and astral projection and God knows what else. Yeah. Um, Do we want to get into anything that could be construed as a spoiler for the show? Because anyone who hasn't seen it definitely should. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it at this point, it's been out for a while and season three is coming soon. I don't know that we really want to get into spoilers. Okay, so we won't get into the details of the specific characters, um, but we can say, I think, pretty confidently that the parents of all the superheroes that we meet are just real pieces of shit. Yeah, in almost every case. And that's the thing is, I don't blame the Indigo children for the way that they turned out because what they needed was support and structure. And instead they got, actually you're a superhero, do whatever you want. Also, you are morally superior to everyone around you. So don't feel any obligation to respect them or do what they tell you to do. Which is not parenting. No. Well, and it's not. If you, if you look at the psychological literature of indigo children, psychologists pretty much all agree that what we're looking at is people who are victims of narcissistic parenting and that uh-huh. they should be considered victims of emotional abuse. Which is pretty much what that is because you're not like the, the whole deal with parenting, like through the generations, it's, it's pretty much been the same sort of thing. It's been about trying to correct behavior trying to demonstrate good behavior and hoping that they pick up enough of the good stuff 
and uh, and learn why the bad stuff shouldn't be done. And you know there there are better methods, obviously, than corporal punishment of teaching him, you know, why the bad stuff shouldn't be done. But I mean, parenting is about guidance and and modeling. It's not about just wind them up and watch them go, and then you know like remind them how great they are and how much better they are than anyone else that may seem superficially like a good idea for a kid's self-esteem but when he finds out that's not true his mind isn't going to be able to reconcile all of that i do kind of wonder if there are adult survivors of the indigo children movement who have you know grown into a more balanced way of looking at themselves in the world i wonder what they have to say about it I'm not going to do any research because trying to look up indigo children on the internet is just instantly a migraine. It sucks. Oh, yeah. I, I don't doubt that. I, you know, I'd be really curious to, to hear, and perhaps if any of our, our listeners are aware of it, they can let us know if there are any prominent, uh, you know, former indigo children who have, you know, since gotten the therapy they needed and, you know, openly reject the movement on the whole. I mean, I, I would really love to hear about it. You know, I will say not to kind of make light of it by switching gears, but the the characters in The Boys, uh, especially the superheroes, they are all in their own ways profoundly emotionally damaged by yeah. their experience. Yeah, to the point where they don't understand that some of the bad that they do is even bad because they've they've been living in this bubble with all this unlimited power for so long. But even amongst themselves, there are exchanges of really profoundly bad behavior. You know, it occurs to me, too, that, uh, and again, no spoilers, but there is, uh, in the first season especially, a kind of maternal figure who is supposed to be keeping them all on track. Right. But in, in actuality, all she's doing is enabling them and reinforcing and validating their worst oh, impulses. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, we can go ahead and say the actress's name. Elizabeth Shue is the uh, actress who plays this character. And that, she... That, I can see exactly where you're going with it. She's She is the parent of the Indigo children. Right. And and she's, she's the one where she will say, hey, I've got these guys under control. But all she's, all she's doing really is is uh, encouraging the worst possible behavior and impulses. Right, and certainly manipulating them to do what she wants them to do, which is kind of a trait that narcissistic parents exhibit. Right, so there, there actually are, there's a ton of parallels here, I think. Wow, that's, that's, this is actually, this may be the best pairing we've ever chosen. Yeah, uh, we nailed it this time, which is good because we were due for one. Well, yeah, yeah, we've had some, we've had some tough ones. But I mean, I guess if you want to see a show about people who are horribly wounded by the world and and their relationship to it is so warped that they can never be normal, mm-hmm. then you can either watch The Boys. Or you can watch a documentary about indigo children. Yeah, pretty much. Either way, you're going to get about the same kind of tragic story. Although there's probably going to be more humor in the boys. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's hard to say which one of them is more fictional. 
Right? Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a tough one. So so the boys, I've, I've watched the series from start to finish twice. I don't know that I care to do that again because there's just there's there's some moments in there that are a little tough to to get through yeah i i can't recommend it to people without reservation i mean i would have that's the thing you it's one of those it... things where you where you got to put a caveat in your recommendation right there's there's a ton of content warnings that should go in front of every episode of the boys but it's still worth watching yeah if you can hang with that i think it's a show that actually has uh, artistic value mm-hmm. and the writing is pretty on point and then of course carl urban is he's he's pretty much great in whatever he does but he's fantastic did you ever see almost human um no it was it was on fox it was about a cop who had a robot for a partner one of those you know classic formulas where it's like he's a cop and his partner is blank yeah um, but uh, it's actually not bad. Okay. The writing, like, didn't really blow my skirt up, and it did only get the one season because it didn't grab people. But the performances are pretty solid. I would say give it a look. Well, that sounds like kind of a recommendation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we can't unreservedly recommend uh, Indigo Children, although I think we can both uh, unreservedly recommend the Indigo Girls. Well, the Indigo Girls aren't Indigo Children. <laughs> They're no. wonderful musicians and, and very talented artists. So, they were, yeah, of course. And, and they were full-grown adults before this Indigo Children thing ever started. So don't yeah. hold them responsible for it. They had nothing to do with it. No. Can we you... hold the rainbow responsible? Well, see, I'm of the opinion that Indigo is not actually a color in the rainbow. Because... And this is a bit of trivia. So you think it's like, so so rather than Roy G. Biv, it's Roy G. Biv. Exactly. Well, and the thing is, is uh, Isaac Newton, as you know, in addition to uh, being an absolute genius, was also a bit of a loon, mm -hmm. uh, and he loved uh, stuff that we would call today magic, and he was obsessed with the mystical significance of the number seven. So mm -hmm. when he split light with a prism he needed there for his own mystical concordance to be seven colors in the rainbow. Okay. There's not really, there's six. <laughs> but but he uh, he needed that to be there. So he said, "Hey, I think I think I see indigo in there, but you don't. You don't see indigo." Well, indigo, indigoing, indigoing. <laughs> That's a good stopping point. I think we pretty much covered it. Okay, yeah. Fine. Fair enough. Let's move on to breaking news. All right. Uh... For some time, a menace has stalked the streets of Winnipeg. Nobody knew when he might strike, but this predator was responsible for incidents at the home of the mayor, Brian Bowman, City Hall, and dozens of businesses. Known as the serial pooper, though I will always contend that Poopatrator is still a better title, this villain made a name for himself by defecating outside these locations. Theories abound as to why he was doing it. Was this performance art? Political retribution? The Michigan switch? One thing's for sure, this shit bird just booked a flight directly to jail. Because police apprehended the 31-year-old man from Morden after he turned up pantsless, attempting to poop outside the home of former Premier 
Brian Pallister. A confused public anxiously awaits word from the perpetrator, the man who saw it as his duty to duty. But thus far, officials, victims, and the criminal himself have been eerily silent on the fecal matter. I like how his his targets seem to escalate. Like, right? At some point, would Justin Trudeau have gotten pooped? I mean, maybe. He seemed to stay within Winnipeg, so I don't know that that would have happened. But you never know. Well, he was probably just looking for funding. Uh, right. Un- unfortunately, now that he's in jail, it looks like his crime spree is over. But if we do have any Canadian listeners, I want to say unequivocally, do not become a copycat of the perpetrator. Do not go to Justin Trudeau's house, which I assume is like a Tim Hortons or something. I don't really know how <laughs> Canadian politics works. And do not, under any circumstances, poop on it. Wink. There you go. Love it. Yep. All right. How about your uh, breaking news story there, Greg? Okay. Well, apparently demons can text now. This is according to Father Stephen Rossetti, exorcist and licensed psychologist. He says he's personally received texts from demons while attempting to exercise, quote, high value targets, which is to say, especially devout Catholics. Now, as skeptical as I am of the Catholic Church and psychologists, I am on board this time, and I'll tell you why. Obviously, demonic possession exists. Otherwise, why does Elizabeth Holmes talk like that? <laughs> okay. And obviously, 90% of social media is dispatches straight from hell. Mm-hmm. But my question is, if being a devout believer makes you more likely to be possessed, what is the upside? Exactly. In fact, people who don't believe in demons don't seem to be troubled by them at all. And Mm -hmm. those that do believe in demons are constantly under assault. Now, you might argue that the non-believers are simply unaware of the demonic influence. But as we've seen in this very story, the demons are quite proud of their influence. They will text you about it. (laughs) So... Why would they be subtle about one and brazen about the other? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like LOL, WTF, BBQ. You know what this story needs, Gene, is an expert in human behavior and the workings of the mind. And as a licensed telephone psychic, I am happy to help. So call me now for your free reading. You are, gonna... You're just pushing buttons to push buttons. It's not, it's not a nice thing you're doing. I'm just saying, call me now for your free reading. And we will get this sorted out. Or you could just leave us a speak pipe. Yeah, leave us a speak pipe and I will give you a psychic reading on the air. Okay. Well, we've got a new segment this week. Fake true story. So a couple of weeks ago, allegedly, Mm -hmm. a Tennessee man being chased by police cut his own penis off and threw it out the car window because voices on the radio told him it would save the world. And while we don't know for sure what they said... We now offer a dramatic reading, which is probably exactly how it went down. Okay, bud. Moment of truth. Ready to save the world? Could you please just tell me how this will stop the apocalypse? How does a butterfly in Belize cause a typhoon in Vietnam? Chaos theory? Quantum mechanics? There's no time for me to explain, man! Chop, chop! 
But you could explain if there was time. How much time would it take? Look at it this way. If you don't cut your dick off and the world ends, it's your fault for being selfish. If you do cut it off and the world doesn't end, you're a hero. I'm not sure that's logical. Oh, really, Bertrand Russell? Here's an equation for you. Dude minus dick equals world. And even if it turns out I'm wrong, which I'm not, you'll be acting with the best intentions. When this makes the news and people find out why you did it, they'll appreciate the thought. Man cuts off cock to save Earth? Who has ever been more selfless? Do you really think people will appreciate me? They'll probably even let you host Jeopardy! Greetings, gentle listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also like Brosé, a mirthy talk show starring four bros who sip wine and consider questions submitted by you, the audience, about current events, pop culture, and which Muppet you should get tattooed on your back. Subscribe to Brosé wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-R-O-S-E. Brosé, the podcast for those who drink rosé. It's time for sports. This week, I've uh, I've decided to try and tackle golf. Is it a sport? Kinda. It's certainly difficult to play, or at least play well, and it requires specialized equipment and a special kind of location to play. I mean, that location also often requires ecological devastation to construct, so there's that. But can golf be improved? I dare say it can, with just a few minor changes to the rules. First, you know, it's 2021, climate change is now out of control. We need biodiversity on the green, so no more homogenized grass, no more mowing except in the green itself, which has to be limited in size. You play in a goddamn meadow, ticks and all. That's a pretty big change, I guess, but we're just getting started. Second change, shot clocks. You have 30 seconds from the time your ball hits the tee to make your shot and a time limit for each hole, and indeed the entire course. If you fail to complete or comply, your caddy gets to hit you as hard as he wants with the club of his choice. My third proposal is this, basketball rules for every putt. Putting is exempt from the shot clock rule, but your opponent can do anything within reason to distract you as long as they don't make contact with you. This helps us change the structure somewhat and certainly the culture, but there is one more rule I propose. And that's this. If you play in a country club that is exclusive and membership based and is used as a gate for keeping out marginalized people, you get to keep that but every resident of the surrounding community gets a hunting license good for hunting the most dangerous game one day of the year. And that pass allows them to, at a day and time of their choice, bag themselves one golfer at the country club for a nominal fee. Members who are killed have the remainder of their year's dues donated to house and feed the poor, and the hunter gets immunity from prosecution. Four! I think all that is stellar. Uh, it did. It did make me uh, wonder one thing, though. Yeah, is mini golf not a better game than regular golf? Just it's all so around? much better in general. Yeah, because I mean the the putting part is the fun part, mm-hmm. right? And also you got you got obstacles and and weird course layouts. You got clowns. You got windmills. I feel like it's easier to trash talk in mini golf too without it, like. The chuckles that you elicit when you're trash talking in mini golf are genuine. They're not that kind of ha 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 
Thanks, Chet. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather play mini golf. And in fact, I will play mini golf with you anytime, any place. Well, I mean, on a mini golf course, not any place. It's got to be right. a mini golf course. Otherwise, what are we doing? So now it's time for this week's creature feature. Move over, flying squirrel. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Kalugo. Also called flying lemurs, although they're not. These guys are natives of the jungles of Southeast Asia. They are painfully awkward in the cutest way, except when gliding between trees, which they can do for up to 650 feet, which is more than twice the distance of any flying squirrel. Wow. Yeah, these so guys... Oh, go ahead. I have a question for you, Greg. <laughs> so going back to the early days of the podcast, we did a story where, uh, you know, people were uh, basically uh, trapping flying squirrels in the wild to sell them to exotic pet collectors. And they were fetching like 2500 a piece. What do these bad boys fetch on the uh, black market? Uh, I have no idea because they are endangered and you are not supposed to sell them. But I would say just based on their gliding power, they would sell for at least slightly more than twice the rate of a flying squirrel. I think that's a fair assumption to make. So let's uh, let's go with that. So, if, you know, five grand or so. Well, and I'll, the thing about these guys, they're so good at flying. People used to think they were related to bats because they're like nothing that's not a bat could glide like that. But their closest relatives are actually primates. But not very close. They're kind of in a league of their own. And if really, you... with Madonna and Gina Davis and all that. Yeah, and Rosie O'Donnell and uh, Lori Petty and the whole gang. Uh, Certainly, Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks is there. Uh, there's no crying in Kalugo. Okay, good to know. All right, let's move on to the emotional weather. This week's emotional weather: shout, head over heels. And everybody wants to rule the world. Well, for my shout weather, uh, although, as you probably know from reading about the Dunning-Kruger effect, people will, on average, overestimate their intelligence, competence, and moral uprightness. They actually tend to underestimate their ability to persuade. And hmm. so when you put those two things together, that's what makes people more likely to shout in arguments. Because you know on that you're right, but you don't believe that you can convince the other person. So all you're left with is yelling. But that, of course, makes us less persuasive. So how do we counter this? Experts recommend calmly pointing out the flaws in the other person's reasoning, which literally made me laugh out loud when I read it. <laughs> well, because we've all tried that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the dumbest fucking thing I ever heard. I'm sorry. I'm not going <laughs> to yell about it, but I know that I'm right. Right. All right. My shout story. Amazon has announced a new feature for devices that feature Alexa, the digital assistant called Adaptive Volume. It takes measure of the ambient noise in a space and raises Alexa's voice so you can still hear her when your loud appliances are running, effectively making Alexa shout. To turn on the feature, simply ask Alexa to turn on adaptive volume. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Turn on adaptive volume. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Turn on adaptive volume. Okay, playing Turn Up the Reactor by Ballgasm. 
All right, well, for my head over heels weather, uh, shout out to philosopher Alvin Noe, whose book Out of Our Heads I really enjoyed when it came out. This was uh, 09, 2010, maybe. Uh, in this book, he argues that we're all too obsessed with the brain and that consciousness is equally a product of environment and experience. It's all working together simultaneously to make what you think of as yourself. So if you're looking for something on the philosophy of mind that is fairly short and super accessible, I say check it out. It's a lot of fun. Interesting. My head over heels story. I never understood the expression head over heels in love, because if you're sitting, walking or laying down with a pillow, your head is already over your heels. So isn't everyone already head over heels? Why do we say this? What does it mean? Can someone please explain it? Alexa? Okay, playing What Is It Bean by Cans of White Peas. The future is incredible. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you this, Gene. I've never been head over heels in love, but I've been heels over head in love, and that is special. Oh, I bet that was amazing. It was for me. All right. Everybody wants to rule the world. All right. Well, for my everybody wants to rule the world weather, uh, white supremacists in the United States have been inspired by the Taliban's reconquest of Afghanistan and their return to brutal theocracy. Uh, the racists are hoping to translate Afghanistan to Klanistan. Now, I don't know why they'd bother when so many states are doing it for them, but we'll see how it turns out. Everybody may want to rule the world, but do you really? Remember the lesson of the boys. That kind of power is going to put you in a bubble where you can't even see the harm that you're doing. That's not even the worst of it. I could go on for a long time on this subject, but I'll just let Alexa do my job for me. Alexa? Okay, playing This Girl Gets What She Wants by Beta Funk. No, the other thing. Amazon already rules the world, you just haven't realized it yet. Jeff Bezos is king. He went to space. He is all that is man. Chilling. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is such a man, he looks like a human penis. Thank you, Alexa. <laughs> that will be all. Okay, turning on adaptive volume. Ha! <laughs> Well, as you know, every week our investigative team uncovers a detailed and harrowing story on food crime. This week, Greg Person has the story. Greg? Folks, this is the only time I'll ever say this, most likely. You can go ahead and skip this food crime if you want to, uh, because while I was researching it, I came across an excellent polemic by Sasha Chapin in the July 21, 2017 National Post. Uh, we're talking about dragon fruit. Um, now, Chapin's polemic is well-written, comprehensive, and correct in every way, but I do want to add my voice to the chorus because it cannot be said enough that dragon fruit is bullshit. It's the most overrated product of all time. As Chapin says, it is the embodiment of disappointment. Now, how can something be so resplendent, so beguiling, so full of this alien beauty, but be so pointless inside it's a flavorless fruit that's only for instagram the only thing you can do with it is photograph it and throw it away if it yeah, if yeah, i've had it and it you, it's it's absolutely flavorless it tastes like nothing at all a raw potato has more flavor than a dragon fruit <laughs> 
And I know this for a fact because I grew up on a potato farm and I have eaten more raw potatoes than most people have eaten cooked potatoes. If the dragon fruit tasted like anything at all, we would fall all over ourselves to talk about how good it tastes. Because oh, yeah. we would want some reason to think it was great because it looks so good. It looks like it ought to taste incredible. It does. <laughs> but it, it, because that's the rule with fruit. The weirder the fruit, the better it tastes. Mm -hmm. Pineapple? Fucking forget about it. But, I mean, kiwi. Right. A kiwi looks like a gorilla's nut. And, and it's one of the best things you can have. Right. And, you know, it's the, the dragon fruit should follow. We should look at it and be like, that's so weird. I cannot wait to taste what's inside because it's got to be amazing. And it's just, it's a fucking pile of wet napkins. Nothing. <laughs> a pile of wet napkins. That is a perfect description of the flavor of dragon fruit. We want so badly to have a reason to love it, but there, yeah. there will never be one. Let's move on to the podcast shopping network this week. Hot stamps. You know, Greg, hair is amazing. You can style it. You can dye it. You can accessorize it. But is that really enough? One as seen on TV product, Hot Stamps, takes the bold stance of saying, not hardly, chum. Hot Stamps are a glitter gel that stamps pizzazz all over your hair in the shape of hearts, stars, flowers, and more. Who doesn't want glitter stars in their hair, I ask you? Mike Pence, maybe? But that's it. The list ends there. Basically, the device is just a classic stamp that you stamp right onto the hair, leaving behind a perfect, puffy, glittery shape. The height of middle school chic. Hot Stamps infomercial boasts that it's perfect for every occasion, including formal dances, day-to-day, -day, sporting events, and for social media photos. But I do have one question. Is it perfect for every occasion? Do I have to miss a funeral because I can't stamp 13 daisies on my scalp? I don't know. You tell me, Hot Stamps. Hot Stamps also boasts that once you're done, you can just brush it away. But the product contains glitter. So brushing it out is just going to put glitter in more places. You should have thought of that before you bought a glitter product, I guess. You can buy two hot stamps for only $10 plus $4.95 shipping and handling. You'll get two additional hot stamps for free. But here's the rub. Reviews of the product indicate that the product is mostly dried out by the time it arrives in consumers' hands, meaning the hot stamp fails to meet its primary directive. It cannot stamp. Some also complain that a number of the stamps that arrive are completely empty which fails to meet the primary directive of a product. So hot stamps are kind of a hot mess. What, what say you, Greg? Um, I can't wait to wear this product at my next court appearance. <laughs> and um, I, I really think that it's an innovative solution to maintaining a high profit margin just to not give people anything in exchange for their money. Because that's 100% right? profit right there. Right. Capitalism works. It just works. 
that's <laughs> that's gonna be the next step you watch it's the the thing that replaces amazon is gonna be a company that just doesn't send you anything it is time for state up our weekly review of all the states in the union this week's state montana googling things to do in montana is really funny and i encourage you to try it montana is the only state in the union that is named after a sandwich at arby's Seriously, the search results are just pictures of trees. <laughs> it's true, though. I did it. It's true. <laughs> it's extremely funny. I <laughs> discovered it by accident. I was I was looking for some something about Montana that I could make a fact out of. So I googled things to do in Montana and just just trees. It's just trees. <laughs> a lot of people pronounce the state capital of Montana as Helena. But that's incorrect. It's actually pronounced hell nah. In Montana, it's legal to marry a moose, but that don't make it a good idea. Inside Montana, there are two wolves. There are also probably hundreds of other wolves. Our final segment tonight, as every week, is person to person and person, where we share your valuable feedback with our audience. We did have someone take advantage of our SpeakPipe hotline on the website. I'm super jazzed about this, so let's give it a listen. Our first real voicemail. Seven days. God damn it. So does that, is that for you or for me or for both of us? It's probably for me because me and Ring Voice have a little thing going on. Yeah, I noticed that. You guys are, are kind of clicking a little bit. I'm, I'm uh, excited to see where that goes. I'm rooting for you guys. Okay, awesome. I, uh, I had a new idea for our listeners. Please send us headlines rather than just what you want us to write a haiku about. If you send us a news headline, we'll try to uh, haiku or limerick the news. It's an easy way for you to uh, send us a story. And this doesn't have to be like a wacky or weird story. You, we don't expect you to do our jobs for us. But if you send us a story, straight up news even, we'll try to either haiku or limerick the headline and uh, we'll thank you or the pseudonym of your choice on the show. As always, I'd like to give a shout out to the bros at Brose and to our voiceover artist, Adam West, who you can find on Fiverr or at his website, awestprod.com. Folks, that's all the news the persons have for you tonight. Would you like a haiku written about the topic of your choice? Send your topic and the anchor persons might just make that happen. Gene and Greg love your feedback, and there are so many ways to give it to them. Send them an email, anchorpersonspodcast at gmail.com. Find them on Twitter, at anchorpersons. Or visit their website, anchorpersonspodcast.com, where you can leave an audio message via SpeakPipe, as well as find full episodes of the show, blog posts, and more. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcatcher of your choice. Or simply tell a friend. Until next time. This is Gene Person saying, you should always end a comedy set with a callback. And this is Greg Person saying, I'm sorry, what was that? I didn't hear you. Good night.
I don't know. What is it? What do you think, Alexa? Thank you for asking, new partner. It looks like an important artifact with a rich history. I wonder, what could it have been used for? Or, alternatively, what was it used for? Was this a sacrifice? Was it sacrificed to make it rain? Did it work? I'd like to think it did. Maybe this remarkably well-preserved piece of history saved the world, and we'll never know. What do you think, detective? It looks like a dick to me. Ha ha ha. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha.